Okay, today we're live once again. Today is the what? The 29th. The 29th of December. Uh, the year is almost over with. The year is almost over with. And um, like uh, I heard before, I heard this before, and it's true. It's true. The next year won't be any better. The next year won't be any better unless you walk by faith. Unless you walk by faith. The next year, 2023, will not be any better for you than 2022 unless you walk by faith. All right? And uh, we got a lot of people that don't know what it is to walk by faith. They just don't know what it is. All right? So we'll be doing some teachings on faith uh, in the coming weeks and months. So please... Um, Write your nations, those who are going to put a comment. Uh, please write your nations. I like to know where uh, my viewers are coming from. And my listeners, uh, the listeners, maybe not my listeners, but the viewers, the listeners. And of course, here, over here, we're broadcasting live against once again today, like I said, on the 29th of December. It's 10 a.m. over here, almost 10 a.m. over here in Oshawa, not Ottawa, Oshawa. Uh, which uh, is a city and uh, a growing city in the province of Ontario, specifically southern Ontario. Uh, southern Ontario. There you go, my brother Apostle David from Uganda, Pearl of Africa. Yeah. And um, so Oshawa, Ontario, southern Ontario, Canada, the nation of Canada in the continent of North America. North America. We are not in South America. We are not in Africa. We are not in Asia. We are not in Europe. And uh, got my juice. Black River. Good juice. And uh, today is my 30th, uh, 29th day of my fast. I got a few more days to go and that's okay. Uh, it's been a good fast. And uh, these fasts are always a little bit hard on you when you're doing them in the wintertime because it's cold here, right? And uh, December, especially January, February. January, February are the coldest months of the year. It can get pretty cold. So anyhow, we're back here. And uh, we're just going to wait a few seconds here. Let some people come on board. and uh, But I like to get into these. This is going to be a long one. This is going to be a long one. And this one here, uh, Brother David, I told you I'm going to be live streaming the, the teaching I did for you on December 25th, Christmas Day. I, I had the privilege, literally, I had the privilege of doing my first online teaching into the nation of Uganda. Into the nation of Uganda. First time. It was my first teaching that I did into the nation of Uganda with our brother Apostle David from with the New Journey Ministries International. See, that's the way I am, David. I like to promote other ministries. All right? That's part of my, my calling, is to bring unity, or to try to bring unity within the body of Christ. So, um, and he's watching. He's watching. Keep up the good work. Where are you from? Rahil Bashir Nair. Where are you from? you got to write down. You're probably from Pakistan. 
You got to write down. Yes, that it is. Okay. New Journey Ministries International, Bugiri. Bugiri? Am I pronouncing that right, David? Bugiri, Uganda, Africa. And uh, it's going to be a big teaching. It's a big one. It's a big one. Uh, 13 pages, one side only here. Um, 13 pages on the love of God. On the love of God. I, I told David, I said, what do you want me to teach on? And he said, teach on the love of God. So I said, okay, Pakistan, thank you very much. Thank you very much, Rahil. From Pakistan, we got from Uganda. And uh, who knows else? We got a bunch of thumbs up here. Good, good enough. All right, so I wrote here the love of God or the God kind of love. The God kind of love, all right? It's like the faith of God or the God kind of faith, all right? So let, let me have another drink here. Let's get on with this, all right? So my introduction here, it's going to be a long one, so sit down and have your Bibles with you if you can. Have your Bibles with you. So, my introduction here, this is actually my very first online teaching into the great nation of Uganda. I've done many, I've done many online teachings for some brothers in Kenya, uh, RD Congo, Nigeria, uh, including some places in the, the continent of Asia, uh, specifically Pakistan, and even in India, all right? So, all right, so I wrote here, let's, let's get on with this, okay? I wrote here, love is only one of the many of his God's attributes when it comes to God. Love is an attribute. It is an attribute. The word attribute carries the idea of a quality, characteristic, a feature, a trait, an aspect, a hallmark ascribed to someone or something, all right? So in other words, an attribute is a quality that describes or is descriptive of someone or something. And in this case, we're talking about God. God, the creator of the universe. Amen? The God of the Holy Bible. Or even better, the Godhead. All right? God has many other attributes, of course. He's got tons of them, uh, such as he's infinite, he's self-existing, he's omniscient, omnipotent, immutable, impeccable, uh, and just to name a few, just to name a few, all right? So I said here, I wrote here, today we will be looking at what the New Testament, not the Old Testament, what the New Testament has to teach us about this word love. Love in context with God. And this word love, L-O-V-E, is from the Greek word agape. Agape. It's the word ag agape love. It's the Greek word with its primary definition being unconditional love, love without conditions. We also have two other words. There's also two other words such as eros regarding erotic love and the word philos, which denotes brotherly love. In, this, in, uh, in North America, in America, we have a city called Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love, philos. You got the word philos in it. I don't know how brotherly love they're living up to that, though. But anyhow, love is above all. Actually, you know what? The Lord gave me a word one day. He says, truth trumps love. Truth trumps love. All right? So anyhow, um, God loves us. I wrote here, God loves us without conditions or his love 
for or towards us, has no conditions, meaning his love, he loves us, whether we are good or not good, or whether we love him back or don't love him back. That's true. That's unconditional love. Yet, all of this has to be taught in the context of consequences. Consequences. I always teach about that, consequences, regarding the law of sowing and reaping, meaning there are consequences for those who don't love God or don't love him back, clearly seen back in Genesis and the Garden of Eden, and even back in heaven with Lucifer. We're going to look at that. We're going to look at that. God loves us because he is our creator, all right? He created us, meaning he created us as well as having created us in his own image. Wow, God didn't just create us. He created us in his own image and his own likeness. That's huge, all right? we That's something I need to get into later on another time. God loves his creation. Come on, you know? Uh, but as we know very well, his creation did not love him back. You know, I, I said this before on, in my notes years ago, a creator, an inventor, he invents something, you know, a new car, a new, you know, whatever, a new pen, everything we have, even our mouses. I got a mouse with the, the, the flag of Canada. Our mouses. Somebody invented this stuff. You know what I mean? Even this, I carry my phone in this little carrier, phone carrier. Somebody invented that. All right, somebody had to come up with that idea, uh, make a sketch of it, and then produce it. Well, you know what? They put a lot of love into that. They put a lot of time and effort, money into it. They put a lot of love into it. All right? How much more with God? How much more with God, having created us? All right? One of the very first instructions or admonitions we are given in the Old Testament, as well as New Testament alike, uh, regarding us loving God back with our whole being is found in Deuteronomy 6, 5. All right. But we'll go straight to Matthew twenty two thirty seven 37, because basically they're the same thing. It says, Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and, and another place, with all your strength. That means loving God with your whole being, with your whole being. With all being. So be healed in the name of Jesus. Be healed, Sharif. Be healed from your stomach in the name of Jesus. Receive your healing. Jesus already healed you in the name of Jesus. All right? By his stripes, you're healed. All right? So receive it. Receive it. All right? So we will take a close look at this love of God or the God kind of love in context with our redemption, our salvation. Because God's love is redemptive it's salvific. It's salvific. Among many other things, of course, God saving, redeeming us is based and founded upon his love for us. If God didn't love us, he wouldn't have saved us. He wouldn't have created us, first of all. Uh, or God first loving us, even when we were not so lovable regarding the fall of man. In other words, if it was not for God's love or for God loving us as much as he does, there would be no such thing as his or the plan of salvation, the plan of redemption, the plan of reconciliation, the plan of justification, the plan of substitution. There would be none. All of those are founded upon his love for us. All right? So some of us need to renew our minds 
towards this love of God, all right? Um, all of this just goes to prove just how much God, God's love for lost mankind is or how intense he loves us. His love really is for us in the context of us not loving him back as we should have. That's right. We're going to look at that because what Adam and Eve did back in the garden, I've already taught on that. Uh, we want to accept the Bible teachers. Please contact me. Okay. Uh, back in the garden was not very loving, but very unloving towards God, their creator and their provider, not just their creator, their provider. Imagine everything that God gave man back in the garden, mankind, Adam and Eve, uh, the gold, all of that, the precious stones. He put everything, all the trees to eat from the tree of life. And man, look at what we did to God. Wow, very unloving. Very, very unloving on our part. But it didn't stop God from loving us back. All right? So I wrote here, God wants us back. He wants his creation back. All right, because we once belonged to him, but he also wants us back because he knows exactly what awaits us all if we don't come back to him. He knows exactly, but the world don't know that. That's why we got to go tell the world. It's called the Great Commission. And he has made a way back to him with this new Adam, this new birth, this new creation. All right, that's how you get back to God. You come in union with a second Adam which I've already taught on in other teachings, but not in this one. Okay, I'm not going to go there today. But if some of us don't want him back, he will still love us. All right? He will still love us. But, there's always a but, yet there will be repercussions. Big word. Repercussions, consequences, ramifications, uh, which he warns us about time and time again, right through his whole written word. It's everywhere. Warnings. Everywhere in the Old Testament and the New Testament alike. It's just everywhere. There's warnings to the heathen, to the wicked, and even to the backslidden Christian, to the even the Old Testament saints. Read the book of Hebrews. Wow. Full of warnings. It's called the Epistle of Warnings. God allows what we allow. All right. We got to get that straight. God allows what we allow, meaning he is not as sovereign as many say, or think he is. He is just not as sovereign as you think he is. Uh, God is not in control and cannot do whatever he wants to do because he's made us free moral agents, all right? Uh, with a free will allowing us to do and choose whatever we want to do and choose even if it goes directly against his will for us. We are free to love or not love him back. We are free. God doesn't force himself upon us. We are free to receive his love or to reject it, yet there are consequences, like in everything else, in this life. Just think about it. In this world, even in the natural world, I mean the world of the heathen, there are consequences. There's all kinds of consequences, all right? I'll tell you, when I work construction, all right, for 23 years I work construction. I'm 59, okay? 23 years of construction. I'll tell you, if I didn't do my job right, guess what? I'm fired, okay? Or I'm given one warning, maybe two. But anyhow, you're given a warning, 
And then if you don't shape up, you ship out. All right? That, that This has got nothing to do with God. Well, you know what? Basically, with God, it's almost the same thing. All right? But God is patient. He's long-suffering. It's very clear in Romans. But at the same time, you got to be careful. You don't want to trample upon God's grace. I said here, God will never force anyone to love him. And he has proven this fact with Lucifer back in heaven. All right? He didn't force Lucifer to love him. Um, back in heaven, and with Adam back in the garden. Didn't force Adam to love him. No, he gave him a choice. He told him what to do, not to do. God is not a dictator or a tyrant. He is not. All right? God allows us to reject him, yet with consequences, and most people don't like this idea, but this is a universal law, is it not? Like I just said about work, whatever. All right? Sports, doesn't matter. Academia, if you don't live up to what you're supposed to, uh, you know, according to your job description or whatever, you're out. You're gone. Most people would want to be in heaven when they die, apart from being born again before they die, which is impossible. Impossible. All right? God allowed and gave us full freedom, uh, full freedom for Lucifer as well as for Adam to do what they wanted uh, to do or choose to do or not to do. Yet, with severe consequences, severe consequences, yet having told them beforehand what to do or not to do, especially with uh, when it comes to Adam. I don't know about Lucifer, but Lucifer knew. I know that Lucifer knew that if he didn't, you know, uh, that something dramatic would happen. He had to know. He had to know. All right? God does not, will not, never force himself upon anyone. No, he doesn't. He's not like that. All right? Uh, never. Yet he is always there to help us in these situations. He is. When you reject the love of God, God and his love for you, you end up rejecting his plan of salvation for you. Hell is full of people whom God loved, yet they did not love him back. That is just a reality of it. Hell is full of people that God loved, intently loved, died for them, went to the cross for them, Wow, suffered for them. Yeah, because he did it for all mankind. But those who reject the gospel, well, there's consequences. But God still loved them. Does God still love them once they're in hell? I don't know. I think he does, but it's too late. All right? So, I wrote here, let's start looking at some key verses regarding this uh, this love of God, this God kind of love. Which is really critical. It really, it's, it's, it really is foundational. But like I said, the Lord told me a few years ago, truth trumps love. Yeah. So truth, God puts truth higher than love. That makes sense. Because all these verses about God, uh, the spirit of truth, Jesus is the truth, thy word is truth. Uh, the truth will make you free. Let's start looking at some key verses. Let's start, start with John 3.16. We all know that one. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Wow. All right? So it says that God so loved the world. didn't say that God loved the world. That would have been great. All right? But God so loved the world. 
And then he goes on to tell us how he so loved the world, the world of sinners, the world of pagans, the world of heathens, the world of the first Adam. All right. The world that has rejected him. That's what he's talking about when he says, God so loved the world. All right. He gave us or sacrificed his only born son, his first begotten son, his only begotten son at that time. God did not just say that he loved us, but he proved, he proved that he loved us. It's called sacrificial love. God gave. God didn't just say, I love you, but God did something. He gave. All right. So it's like the old saying, don't tell me you love me. Show me you love me. All right. Well, God showed you. Next verse is Romans 5, 8. Key, key, key verse also. But God demonstrated his own love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, for us sinners. We weren't, nobody was born again uh, before Jesus went to the cross. So note, this verse is very synonymous with the one we just read and what I'd said about, about it in John 3.16. So I'm not going to repeat it. I love this word demonstrate. I really like that word demonstrate, especially in light of hearing people say that God never did anything for them. Oh my goodness. Or God does not love them. You ever hear that from people? God never did anything for me. God doesn't love me. It's like, excuse me, that's rubbish. All right. That's a, that's a word they use a lot in England, uh, the UK, uh, which is a nation in, um, in Europe. That's rubbish. People that say this don't know God nor the Bible. The whole Bible is one big love letter, all right, towards lost mankind, uh, especially with the New Testament. And this is agape love at its best. Wow. While we're still sinners, God died. Jesus died for us. That's unconditional love. Next verse. Let's move on to Ephesians 2.4. Ephesians 2, 4, but God, but God being rich in mercy, uh, because of his great love, uh, with which he loved us. And here we go again, not with the glove that God loved us with, but this great love. Like once again, we have great love and not just love. John 3, 16 had so love, so love implies great love. All of this intensifying the love, all right, that God had and has for us. Also, we have this love in context with his mercy in this verse, with mercy, um, which is another one of his attributes, uh, since God is merciful. And here it says that God is not just merciful, but rich in mercy. He's rich in mercy. Wow. Note. God is a loving God as well as a merciful God. God showed us great mercy back in the garden by saying, I'm not, basically by saying, I'm not going to let them go to hell, but we'll give them another, a new, a second yet last chance by giving them a new, a second last Adam via the incarnation. God's love towards the lost race of the first Adam is great. All right. There's nothing greater than this overall upon the earth. And this is, this is a truth that the whole world needs to know about. 
needs to hear about. All right? That's why it's called the Great Commission. It's not just called the Commission. It's called the Great Commission. All right? Let's move on to Ephesians 3.19. Ephesians 3.19. Ephesians 3.19. And to know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. I wrote here, the word is full of all kinds of, the world is full of all kinds of knowledge, and so is the church. All right? Full of knowledge, all kinds of knowledge, which is why we've got all kinds of books, libraries, universities, colleges, schools, learning centers. I mean, this is everywhere in the world. All right? Yet, to have the knowledge of the love of Christ surpasses all of this, which is key to being filled up to all the fullness of God. So they equate the fullness of God with the love of Christ. This is referring to the love of Christ, yet we know that this love of Christ is based upon the love of God, since it is God who sent his Son to save us in the first place. Right? That's what it said. God so loved the world that he gave. He sent. I, right? I wrote here, there's no lack of knowledge in this world, but there sure is a great lack of knowledge when it comes to this love of Christ. And this is the church's fault and not God's fault, all right? The internet is full of all kinds of knowledge, but what we need is saving knowledge, saving knowledge, or knowledge that will save you. Most, if not all, the knowledge out there in the world, and even some even in the church, will distance you from God and His love, His plan of salvation for you. It will. If you're not being taught right about God, it's actually gonna, it's gonna put a wedge between you and God and you won't even know it. You won't even know it. Alright? Most of the knowledge will distract you from God. Most knowledge out there is a huge distraction. Alright? From God and His knowledge or from knowing Him. Worldly knowledge News, worldly news distracts people from the gospel, from the good news. It really does. You know, the world of the first Adam is a place where people say, I don't care about God. Or, I don't even believe in God. Yet God says, I love you and I want to save you. All right. That's just the reality of it all. Let's move on to Ephesians. We're still in Ephesians. Let's go to Ephesians 5. Ephesians 5, chapter 2. Chapter 2, Ephesians 5, chapter 2, And walk in love, just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. All right, so we just talked about the love of Christ in Ephesians 3.19, and here we are commanded to love, to walk in love, especially towards the brethren, but also towards the world. Also towards the world. Since Jesus gave himself up for us as an offering to God while we were still sinners. Romans 5.8. We just read that. In other words, I have no right to hate anyone, including those who have done wrong towards me, whether they were a sinner or a saint. All right. I'm going to unpack that a little bit. Yet this does not mean I have to let them repeat the same offense Becoming a doormat. All right. 
And most of the time, God was trying to warn us to stay away from certain people or certain situations to begin with, to avoid hardships. But we were not listening. You know, a lot of things happen, even to unbelievers, but especially believers. A lot of bad things happen. And God the whole time was trying to warn them, was trying to say, don't go there, or uh, go later on, or whatever. Yeah, that happens a lot of times. They're not listening. And then something bad happens, and they go, where was God? Well, God was there the whole time. If you're born again, he was inside of you. All right. Note, if anyone had the right to hate somebody, it would have been God himself. I'll tell you, if anybody... If anybody had the right to hate somebody, it would have been God, because God's perfect. All right? Uh, would God himself towards us? And this is what this whole agape love is all about. God loving the sinner, yet the sinner basically hating God. All right? Even though the sinner doesn't really know God. But it's, it's funny how they say they, they don't, they don't believe in God, but then they get mad at God when bad things happen. Not all of them, but a lot of them. Let's move on to the little Johns. Little John's, 1st John 4, 7. I'm being, I'm going on for a half an hour. That's good. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. So I wrote here, my note is, walking in love, that we just looked at in Ephesians 5, 2, equals, equals, let us love one another. We just read this in 1st John 4, 7 is based upon this kind of love, which is from God himself and not from man. Hating anyone for any reason doesn't, does or should not exist in the life of those who are born of God because it does not exist in God himself. I have no right in hating anyone, yet I do have the right. Listen to this. You have no right in hating anybody, but you do have the right to distance yourself from them to the point of never seeing that person ever again. Absolutely. And there's lots of references in the, in the Bible, even the Old Testament with God telling his people, don't mingle with the Philistines and all these Canaanites and all that. Don't, don't, don't mingle with them. Don't interbreed with them. Right? And even in the New Testament, uh, we need to distance ourselves with, with uh, people that call themselves Christian, but that don't live like a Christian. Yeah, that are living in sexual immorality. This is everywhere. There are many things that God hates. That's for sure. That's a no-brainer. God hates a lot of things. Yet he still loves those who are doing those hateful things because God's ungenerous love for them is redemptive. It's salvific. All right? In other words, God will do all that he can to get someone saved right till the very moment that person enters into hell. All right? Once they are in hell, it's game over for them as well as for God. God can't do nothing about it anymore. All right? Uh, no more grace towards that person. It's over with. We have the God-given God, God right to tell someone, you stole from me, you did this to me, you did that to me. You know, we have the right to tell them that. You hurt me physically. Therefore, I forgive you, still loving you, but you will never do that to me again, and hopefully you'll never do it to anybody else. You have the right to do that. You have the right to confront that person. Say, hey, you did all that to me. You know, whether they admit it or not, 
And you know, but I forgive you. I still love you, but you're out of my life because I don't want you to do that to me again. And I don't want you to do it to anybody else. All right. If we are not careful, if we are not careful, this whole love theme in the word can be abused with people taking advantage of it with the wrong motives, such as a Christian married couple. All right. Where the husband abuses his wife because he knows the word tells the wives to love their husbands. Ephesians 5.33. All right? Yeah, but you need to read the whole context. Then the Bible says, the husband needs to love your wives as Christ loved the church. And he died for the church. Right. All right. Malik is watching. Where are you from, Malik? Note, this whole concept of love is from God. It's from God and not from man. Yet man has perverted it like he has perverted everything else that originated, originally came from God. And this includes Christians as well by perverting the word of truth into the word of lies, half-truth in many instances. All right, let's just be honest with it. Even when it comes to Christian men, many don't know how to love their wives, but they lust after their own wives. They have a lust. All right, if you're married, if you're married, you're a Christian, you're married, all right, to one woman, and you have just sexually desires towards her, then you're lusting after your wife. You're not loving her. You're not loving her. All right, now that's wrong. That is wrong. Let's move on to 1 John 4, 9. 1 John 4, 9. By this, the love of God was manifested. There it is, demonstrated, manifested in us that God had sent his only begotten son into the world so that we might live through him. So this is John 3.16 all over again, uh, as well as Romans 5.8, which has the word demonstrated, right? Here we got the word manifested, um, because both carry the idea of proved. Manifesting, demonstrating something, you're proving something, all right? God doesn't just tell us that he loves us, but he proves it to us. He shows it to us. All right? Unlike us human beings many times. And this verse also tells us that it is not good enough to be born again, but that we might live our lives through him, the one who died for us, by the indwelling spirit, which I already touched on in other teachings regarding even Colossians 3, uh, 3 to 4. Christ, my life, right? My life, his life is now my life. Right? Alright, so we're almost, almost, still got a few more pages, almost there, almost done. 1 John 4.10. 1 John 4.10, I'll have a little drink here. Go to 1 John 4.10. In this is love, not that we love God, but that He loved us, and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Alright? To be the propitiation. This is John 16, John 3.16 all over again. I'm just going to move this up a little bit. This is John 3.16 all over again. Yet said in a different way. God loved us way before any of us ever loved him back. And even those of us who do love him back, once we are born of him... Our love towards him is not, is just a fraction. It's just a fraction, teeny weeny little bit 
compared to the way God loves us towards his love, towards us. In other words, we will never be able to love God in the very same capacity that he loves us. Maybe once we get into heaven, but on this earth, no way. No way. Impossible. This verse carries the very important as well as interesting word propitiation. All right? Which I don't, I don't want to get into at this time, yet I need to say that it is very fitting in the context of God's redemptive love for mankind. Even most of the church has very little understanding or a very limited understanding of this word propitiation. All right. But it all fits in with what I said early on regarding God's plan of salvation, God's plan of redemption, God's plan of reconciliation, justification. Um, substitution. It all fits in there. It all fits in there. All of these key words are basically, basically synonymous. They're kind of synonymous in many ways once you've taken the time to unpack them one at a time. All right. And that's something I will do eventually, uh, whether we do it on live stream or on my videos for the YouTube or the Facebook. But I always try to make a live stream with everything I do. 1 John 4.20. 1 John 4.20. If someone says, I love God, but hates his brother, love and hate. I love God, but I hate you. All right. I've probably done that years ago. He is a liar. Uh-oh. For the one who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has seen. This is one of the first verses I came across after I got born again. I think it was from uh, Jean Vanier on television. And it really stuck with me. It really did. It's a humdinger of a verse. I'm the first one to admit it. Yet I need to repeat myself once again in saying that we have the God-given right to distance ourselves or even completely removing ourselves from people that would want to harm us or do harm to us in any way, shape, or form. Well, you have that right. You have that right. It's the same thing as being in a church. And you know they're teaching wrong doctrine. Well, you have every right to leave that church and never go back. Don't start saying bad things about it. Don't start, you know, bad-mouthing the pastor, stuff like that. Just leave and pray for them. But just leave. Go. Get out of there. All right? Same thing with bad relationships. Um, let me finish, let's finish off this teaching with a portion of what is called by many the great love chapter. The great love chapter. The great love chapter. The great love, the great love chapter. I just, just had a call, so just had a call. Alright, so we're back on track. We're back on track. So let's go to 1 Corinthians 13. 1 Corinthians 13. 1 Corinthians 13. Let's look at verse 4 to verse 7. The great love chapter. The great love chapter. I'm going to read through this, basically. Love endures long, amplified here, and is patient and kind. Love never is envious, nor boils over with jealousy. Love is not boastful or vainglorious. Love does not display itself haughtily. Five, love is not conceited, arrogant, inflated with pride. Love is not rude, 
does not act unbecomingly. Love does not exist on its own rights or its own way. Love is not self-seeking. Love, agape love, of course, is not touchy or fretful or resentful. Love takes no account of the evil done to it. Love pays no attention to suffered wrong. I love verse 5 here in the Amplified. It's powerful. And I wrote here, the latter part of this verse is all about the walk of faith. It really is. If you walk by sight, forget it. you got to walk by faith. Let's look at verse 6 and verse 7. Same chapter. Love does not rejoice at injustice and unrighteousness, but rejoices when right and truth prevails. 7. Love bears up under anything and everything that comes. Love is ever ready to believe the best of every person. Its hopes are fadeless under all circumstances. And love endures everything without weakening. The latter part of this is all about the love walk. Once again, it's all by, you know, walk by faith and it's part of the love walk. All right. So very interesting. I found this, uh, I found, I discovered this years ago uh, through a teaching by John MacArthur. In the Greek, these are all verbs and not adjectives, meaning these verses tell us very clearly what this kind of agape love does and not what it's like. All right. This love chapter describes what this kind of love of God does and not what it is. Agape love is an action, which is why we've always seen God, how demonstrated God manifested his love towards us, especially sinners, when, when we're sinners. And of course, he always wants to manifest his love once we become saints. Of course he does, you know. Um, I wrote here, God loves the sinner and not the sin because he wants to save the sinner from the sin. And this is actually, this actually works towards the saint as well because many saints don't live up to their sainthood and God is out to help them in getting free from these things. All of this based upon his unconditional love for us even once we do get saved. Absolutely. This kind of love is really the only kind, the only thing that gives us hope when we miss it, when we miss the mark as his children. Knowing that God still loves me and wants to help me when I miss it really encouraged me to go to him for his help in my time of need. Hebrews 4, 16. So that we can keep moving forward and not going backwards. All right. But there is coming a day when all of this will no longer be available especially for the sinner. That's right. That's when the dispensation of grace comes to an end. Many in the church have brought into this whole type of teaching the element of obedience and submissiveness, which is found, it is found in John 14, 23 and James 4, 7 towards God. And there is a place for this, no doubt, but I like to teach these things in the context of intimacy, intimacy, intimacy between a father and one of his children or sons. Knowing that God still loves us once we mess up should empower and enable us to want to change for the better and not remain in our present condition. All right? We need to go from being children of God to being sons of God. That's called maturity. I've heard too much teaching on 
obey or submit to God and he will bless you. All right? Which are really doing more harm than good to your walk with God. God will take intimacy over obedience any day, any day, at any time. Yet, if you can't give him intimacy, he'll take obedience. Okay? He'll take whatever you give him. You ever notice that? You know, especially when you start growing up a little bit, you realize it's like, hmm, wow. Okay, I used to do that. I used to do that. It wasn't bad. And God seemed to approve of it. But now I've, I'm not, I don't really do that anymore. And I've grown. I'm changed. And wow, God likes this better. Yeah, well, he met you where you're at at that time. All right? Yeah. So he will take your obedience, but this is not what he had in mind back in the garden. No. You know what? He didn't expect Adam to obey him. He did, but he didn't. What he expected was Adam to believe him. Yeah. When he told him, you're going to die, he wanted Adam to believe him. And Adam would have said, wow, okay, I don't want to die. I believe you, Father. I believe you, my creator. You know? So, anyhow, these guys. All right. Let's move on here. Intimacy, even in the natural, even a natural between a man and a woman, married couple does not always require sexual intimacy. Did you know that? But simply being together, doing things together, wanting to be together, because you have the same mindsets. And this is what God wants above everything else. Jesus walked in intimacy with his Father. And look at all the work they were able to accomplish together. Just read John 5. The Gospel of John, chapter 5. All right? Something I need to mention briefly before I close here is that the love of God is also corrective. This is very interesting. And this is very important. All right? We have to understand this. Uh, meaning God needs to correct us at different times, uh, some more than others for different reasons. That's found in Hebrews 12, 6. All right? And many times he has to do this through somebody Yet this has to be done right and not wrong. No room for condescension, but giving hope instead. And I got to work on that. I still have to work on that because that's a big part of my, my calling in the body is to bring correction. All right. So as I finish my videos, I, I, I finish things a little bit differently now. I say now, in order to walk in the fullness of your sonship, you will need to learn what it takes to walk in the fullness of the grace of God and of the faith of God, since the faith of God is what gives access to the grace of God, and we got our sonship back because of His grace. Thank you, and almost 45 minutes. This was a long teaching. Thank you for your time, and we will show you, we will see you uh, whenever the next live stream will be. Thank you, shalom, and amen.